KDAL's Master Gardener, Bob Olin. Bob, how the heck are you, man? <laughs> I survived. You recall one week ago we were talking about a little snow coming. A little Boy, snow. We get yeah. it, didn't we? Little snow. Just a, that's all it was, a little snow. I, was, I just had somebody ask me. It's funny. Uh, a friend of mine asked me via uh, uh, private message on Twitter. You know, how do you keep, because I've got inflatable decorations in my yard, well, I did, um, how do you keep them, you know, going when, when it snows? And I said, well, in this case, they're buried, and they're not coming out until the snow melts. So, um, but normally, normally what I would do is, if we're going to get a storm, I would mark, you know, sort of loosely mark where they are with some footprints or a, a snowman, something just to give me an idea where they are. Yeah. And then what I do is when it snows, just go out there and literally go you know, on my hands and knees and just dig the snow off the inflatables, blow them back up, make sure that they're good, and then you move on with your life. This <laughs> this storm, knowing how bad it was going to be, I kind of I got home Wednesday and I, I got the snowblower out and started moving snow. And I'm, you know what? We're there's more of this skill. You know, we were looking at another you know eight to ten inches, whatever it was that ne- that next morning. Like, guess what? They're not coming out. It, this is not. It, it, it's not worth the effort. It, it's just that it would have been so much work to dig them out from the first one, and then to get a second one on top of it, it would have been just a mess. So uh, they are buried for the uh, the rest of the winter. The fact we're going away for Christmas makes it easier to not have the lights out anyway. So <laughs> there we go. This has been rather remarkable. Uh, this is going to, I think, I, your forecast. Uh, now I knew we had a little coming, but this looks like we got a little more coming, huh? Yeah, it does. Now this is not going to be. It look, doesn't look at this point, at least, like this is going to be a ton of snow. Uh, there is a looking at the the stuff the weather service posted this morning. There is a a chance in the uh, the fifteen to twenty percent range that Duluth could get socked with a good amount of snow, you know, ten twelve inches. But what's more likely is that you get in that three to six inch snow range, and it starts blowing around in the wind. And that becomes the problem, is that blowing snow, creating low visibilities and dangerous travel conditions, especially the open freeways. And, of course, this happening Thursday and Friday, a lot of people will be traveling for Christmas. So there'll be a lot of folks that need to keep their eyes on this forecast and, and the road conditions and all that going into the holiday weekend. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. We want everyone to have a, a wonderful weekend here. You know, it's the first time I've had this opportunity just prior to Christmas to uh, – Wish you the best of the holiday season and all the folks at KDL, some good friends over the years. You know, uh, you did, uh, we got a lot to talk about here, I guess, guess today. Uh, we will talk a little bit about snow. You know, I was saying we we tend to come back to these averages. The average snowfall, we either get it early or we get it late. And uh, if we're going to get it one time or another, I was saying it's great to have it right now. We don't have any frost to speak of it around. And even if there's a little in that upper inch, uh, with the, uh, the weight of the snow over time, that tends to come out. So what's great about it, we come into the spring of the year, and we got open soil, and instead of everything running off, if we had no snow, very cold temperatures, and then we get the snow later, we've got this layer of frost, and then a lot of that moisture in the late snow, uh, snow there's a lot of snow that comes in March or even later, uh, then that tends to run off. We tend to get a lot of flooding. So in this kind of a situation where we had warmer conditions, the snow... Uh, a good insulating blanket, a lot of this moisture is going to work its way into the soil. Now, Bruce, being growing, being a grower myself and working with all kinds of folks that grow and farm, um, you know, we were dry. We were just coming up to our averages here just a little bit farther south. Of course, they were extremely dry. 
in the Twin Cities area in southern Minnesota, so they're very appreciative of this snow. You've got to be a little careful what you ask for, because it, once it starts, it, uh, sometimes it doesn't stop, does it, person? Right. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, we've got uh, this nice insulating blanket. It's going to be real easy for trees and shrubs and any tender perennial flowering material that you might have in the ground. It's going to be a great winter for all of those things. And uh, so we have that as an advantage, and I think we're going to have a good spring when we get to the runoff point. So good insulation, good color. Uh, we've got to deal with it a little bit, but, uh, you know, you, you, getting through life, I think, is all about a matter of uh, perspective. I saw a great big study that indicated that the more activity you get uh, and more exercise you get, the better your immune system builds. Very large study, and so I kept that in mind as I was working the shovels, working the snowblowers. I guess <laughs> this is all good for me. You know? so, yeah, it's good. It's good for you. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that yeah. idea. Although I had trouble convincing myself of that a couple of yeah. times, particularly when the greater finally came through and we had a four-foot ridge, literally a four-foot, six-foot wide ridge to work out with a shovel. So anyway, I know we got lots of stories out there. We do want everyone certainly to be safe, but it has its upside. The moisture comes in. We're carrying a little nitrogen into the soil also with this moisture. But uh, the snow in and of itself is, uh, if we had got to get it sometime to get it early, is, is the best time of year, from a plant perspective at least. All right, so before we get, uh, we get on our way to the news at the bottom of the hour, I asked you a question last week, and I hope you remember what that question was, because I do. You know, it's surprising. I do, and I didn't know we were going to get two weeks together here. But I thought, well, he'll forget about that. Nope, no, didn't forget. Asking. I did not forget. I, I, in fact, I put a, I, a note in my phone to it went off earlier this morning to remind me that I asked you this question because uh, I, I and I and I believe it or not, you can. I mean, knows me knows this is probably sketchy, but I'm, I'm I will swear on the Bible it's true. I remembered. I did not need to be told that I did this. But I asked, I said, you know, we're getting close to Christmas, you know, people are doing the last minute shopping and, you know, yes, it's it's not a great time to be planting stuff in the outdoor garden, but a lot of people like to give house plants as Christmas presents and I wanted you to maybe give us some tips for things to look for, types of plants to look for if you're looking for to, to buy a house plant for somebody for the holiday. Boy, you know, I do remember your question, and I love the question because, uh, you know, we do have this long, cold winter. And uh, do you know that the state of Minnesota was the number one houseplant-consuming uh, state in the Union? The biggest uh, producing state is actually of Florida. We get down in the central Florida area. There's a community called Apopka, northwest of Orlando, a little ways. And I went down there once, saw Disney World for a day. Uh, that was all fine, but... Uh, what really intrigued me was all the green production down of Apopka. Acres and acres of house plants being grown under glass. Can you imagine? They need greenhouses down there even. And I guess that's a region where they can get frost, so they grow them under glass or in greenhouses, and then they ship them throughout the world, actually. But Minnesota was the biggest house plant consuming uh, state, even more so per capita. So I think they all help us get through the winter months. So there are so many things, and Bruce, your your suggestion there of a, of a gift. You know, the nice thing about a house plant of any type, and we're going to. I'm going to throw uh, poinsettias, amaryllis, Christmas cacti. Can I throw all of those in, which are wonderful house plants over time, but they're really related to the Christmas season. But you give any type of house plant, actually, with a little care instruction. Maybe we'll go through a couple of these, so you can share some ideas. You can write them down for folks if they want to keep them a little bit longer. Some of these plants. No one ever really rejects a house plant. Now, sometimes 
you know, you bring in uh, the sweets, which are wonderful, but uh, folks are a little concerned about calories sometimes, so there's maybe a little negativity there one way or another. And uh, so there can be other things that, uh, that people may accept graciously, but what they really want is they want a nice, beautiful, low-care houseplant. So when we get a chance, is this the time to break into some of those? Because I would just love to talk about some of my favorites. Bob, you go right ahead and jump in. Okay. You know, I'm going to start with one that uh, it's a fascinating plant. And, you know, you're going to be cooped up inside. You got the kids or you got the um, other family members that are a little bit intrigued. Let's look at the amaryllis. Now, this is a this is a flowering bulb. It's one of the really one of the very easiest care indoor plants that you can have. Beautiful, magnificent bloom on it. Many, many colors. Uh, very easy to care for with a couple of instructions, and they can last for years. So, if you want a gift, they can keep on giving. And we'll talk about a couple of these things. These become what I call uh, heritage or heirloom plants that are typically passed down or can be passed down from generation to generation. Amaryllis, if you, if you properly take care of these plants, uh, they will re-bloom for you. So it's a gift that you can give now, and with a little bit of care instruction, uh, you can uh, people will remember you for years to come. Amaryllis originated uh, really in the southern hemisphere. Uh, the the um, Republic of uh, South Africa was really noted for a lot. As a matter of fact, a lot of our plants come from South Africa. I've never been there, but I know... Uh, one of our, our primary breeders at the University of Minnesota uh, spent many, many trips. He was looking at impatience and other plants, but all of these quote-unquote house plants grew outside at one time. So the, the amaryllis is really a summer flowering bulb. So it's a bulb that stores, grows during uh, one time of the year, stores that bloom, and then pops the bloom out for you. Uh, it goes through a dormant period. You add water and it pops the bloom out. So it, it typically, in its native range, it blooms during the summer months. Uh, rather than the winter months. And, of course, the interesting thing is right now it's winter here, sir, in the northern hemisphere, but these production areas, these bulbs, their native habitat is in the southern hemisphere, not just exclusively to South Africa. There are some South American areas where they're grown as well. But you bring them in here, and very typically they'll be just this big, uh, large bulb. And, uh, again, there are many, many different varieties uh, you'll you'll take that bulb. The larger the bulb, the more expensive it's going to be. But I'll share this with you: the larger the bulb, uh, the more flower stalks you're going to get. So you take this large bulb, and then you can pot it up, and you could either grow these just in water because everything is stored in that bulb itself. The flowers down there, everything's ready to go. Add water, and it pops up for you. But I'd rather have you plant these up in potting soil. If you plant them up in potting soil, then after the bloom, the plant will start to grow again and will go through this uh, annual process of producing a flower bulb and flower stock, and it'll bloom for you in successive years. So you've just got a bulb. You're going to pot it up. And uh, in many cases, uh, again, you don't want necessarily to bloom at this time, but uh, we we work our way back about uh, four to six weeks and in the bulb, you just add water. Now, if you're giving the bulb right now, you can tell people that they add water, and you're going to get the flower and the, what we call the strap leaves. They are going to be produced another four to six weeks out. And, again, very simple. The uh, the flower itself has already been preformed. You'll get this beautiful bloom on a, on a single stock. Now, the larger the bulb, the more stocks you're going to get, typically one or two blooms per stock. And then they give you this magnificent display uh, for you know, two, three weeks, and then they're going to die down, and then you're going to have to cut the flower stalk off. But you've got what we call these long, skinny strap leaves. 
Now, this is going to be the, the plant that you're going to grow out. So you've, you've cut the bloom off, you've enjoyed the beauty of it, and now you're going to encourage the plant to grow. So we find a nice, sunny, southern window. This is one of those house plants that you really don't have to move outside, but you need plenty of sun. So you get this plant really growing as we come through our summer months when we've got a lot of daylight coming into June and July and August. And we give it a little fertility. We encourage the growth. And then when we, when we get uh, later in the, in the um, summer months, coming into early fall, we just stop everything. We shut the plant down. Uh, we let it go dormant so the leaves will drop off on you. And then suddenly you've got the bulb again, and you let it go dormant for three or four weeks. And then you can add water, and then that, the whole process starts again. So it's a beautiful, beautiful plant. Uh, and uh, a couple words of advice. Uh, again, the larger the bulb, the greater the chance of two things, of having flower stalks and also having, if you look at the bulb before you plant it, you've got these small little bulblets near the bottom. This is the way they are typically reproduced. They'll dig the bulb, and then they will strip many of those small little bulbs off, and those are actually uh, perspective plants for you as well. So if you really wanted to, you get a nice, beautiful bulb, and you give the major bulb away, you can keep some of the smaller bulblets, and those you can grow out, and over time they get larger uh, following this process and encouraging the growth during the summer months. Great plant, easy plant, will again regrow and re-sprout for a number of years. So there's one I haven't mentioned before. It's one of my favorites. I tend to give a lot of them away. They can be inexpensive, or they can be a little pricey, depending on the size of the bulb. Bigger the bulb, more you're going to pay, more more flower stocks you're going to get. Picture the bloom, the more you're going to pay. Uh, they're available locally. They're available typically in, in any number of outlets from greenhouses to our mass merchandisers. They're available on the Internet. I think they're an overlooked plant that's one of the easiest things and most fun things that you can give for a holiday gift. So there's a starter for you, Bruce. Well, I'll turn my microphone back on. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I, I just. I again. again I, th- I know there's a lot of people out there that like to have house plants. There's people that are trying to get those last minute gift ideas. I thought it made sense. That's that, oh, it you makes know? real good sense. Now we got we got plenty of them up there. And uh, the the one thing I will caution you: any living plant at this point, uh, you got to make sure we got cold temperatures coming. Yeah. And don't make that quick dash to the car. You say, ah, it's just about zero. I've only, uh, you know, I'm I'm a hundred steps away from the car i don't need to protect it everything you need to protect so plastic bag over the top don't spend a lot of time and bring it into a warm car bring it into the house if you're uh, traveling with it to give it away as a gift same thing always protect it go from a warm house to a warm car to another warm house but that uh, that traffic in between make sure that you get a big pull of air around it big garbage bag or something like that so that there isn't any damage done to it whether yeah. it's poinsettia whether it's a christmas cactus whether it's amaryllis Get them all protected. They're very vulnerable to colder temperatures. They really are summer, summer blooming plants, and they don't take any of the, the colder temperatures. But they they work out just great inside, and they will be a gift that gives you for months or years. So many many of these are wonderful gifts they're, for Christmas. They're called house plants for a reason, Bob. Look at it. Look at it that way. Absolutely. All right. Very good, Bob Olin. Uh, you'll be back here in a few minutes. How's that? We're going to talk about after the break, Bob. Well, we're going to talk. I'll touch quickly on poinsettias. I'm going to go to the, into some of the green plants as well. Okay. I figured amaryllis, amaryllis, poinsettias, these are both plants that will grow for years for you if you maintain them. Perfect. Okay? We'll do that after the news break. Bob Olin, the Bob Olin Show, is every Tuesday here on KDAL. And Bob will join us again after news. It's 9.32 on KDAL. 
939 at KDAL as we are rejoined by Bob Olin. Hello, sir. Hello there, Bruce. Such good news on that weather. I can't, I'm so excited that <laughs> we get to try to figure out how to get to Nebraska on Friday. Oh, that's right. You're traveling through it all. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wow, saying uh, you, you just haven't had enough fun yet, have you? In your no, life? apparently not. <laughs> uh, you got to be a little careful there. I have driven across that. Of course, they shut down those great planes if it's moving that direction. Oh so, yeah, uh, they will. Yeah, yeah, they will. So you'll you'll. So have we're uh, we're charting hotels uh, between here and there, and we're just going to have to play it by ear and and see, you know, when is it going to be safe for us to leave, and yeah. how far can we get, and then when can we go again? But we want to. We want to get going when it's safe, and we want to lop as much of it off as we can. So, you know, like if we have to finish it Saturday morning, we can still get to where we're going and get to the family, you know, reasonably early on Saturday. This will be interesting. We'll see what happens. What is your final destination, if I can ask? Just south of Omaha. Just south of Omaha. So driving right into the teeth of this thing. Yes, you are. You are indeed. Well, we want to wish you the best. You're a sensible guy, and I know uh, you'll use a good common sense, even if they have to delay things a little uh, bit. My, my wife will be doing all the driving. I'll just I'll just sit in the passenger seat and I poorly there. probably navigate. <laughs> turn go. here. No, no, wait, turn here. No. Oh, I'm so <laughs> bad at that. Been there, done that. Know what that's about. But uh, even a couple of blinding snowstorms myself over time. So you'll be, you'll be safe. You'll be careful. We'll swing back to your uh, your question yeah. on houseplants. Can I spend a little time on Boinsettas here? Uh, Bob, you've got seven minutes, and you can do whatever you want in those seven minutes. <laughs> oh, man, it's all mine. You know, it's one of my favorite stories, Boinsettas, because it's uh, it's an American tradition that's spread through the world that we all my life I've always associated Poinsettias with Christmas. But it's a relatively new uh, phenomenon, plant-wise. You know, the the Christmas tree itself goes back into the 1800s, 1700s, earlier than that, as part of the tradition. But this is a relatively new phenomenon, the poinsettia. And you could either call it a poinsettia or a poinsettia. That's your choice, tomato or tomato. But the poinsettia goes back, actually, uh, into about the, the 60s. It goes back a little bit farther than that. And there was one family... Uh, and the gentleman's name was Albert Etke. Etke, uh, in my entire life working with horticulture, uh, the Etke Farms, California, everybody knew a little bit about that story, but it was Albert originally uh, that uh, moved from Germany. Uh, and anyone that's spent any time in Germany, and I've had that occasion on uh, twice, it can be very cold and very damp and very miserable. And uh, he was looking for a warmer climate. He was, uh, the, the story goes that he was heading for Tahiti, and the air flight took him into uh, into Los Angeles. They stopped there. They had a little layover, and by jingo, the, the, the temperature was very nice, very comfortable. And said, maybe I don't have to go to the South Pacific to get away from all the cold, dreary weather. This looks pretty good. So he uh, settled down in the Los Angeles area. And at that time, uh, this was in the 20s or the 30s, and it was... Uh, you know, relatively undeveloped. So he noticed the poinsettia, which actually is native. The plant itself is a shrubby plant. It's not the compact form that we find now in the in the containers, in the pots. It's a big shrub, and it grew naturally in Mexico. It was brought up as, as Southern California was being settled, was brought across the border sometime in the 1800s, and it was grown uh, wild out in that, uh, that terrain. Again, uh, nice because it would flower in those warmer climates during the winter months, and there weren't many flowers to, uh, at that particular time. 
So uh, Paul Etke Sr., or uh, Albert Etke, his name actually was, he started cutting these as cut flowers just out of the fields and started cultivating. He farmed them, and they were large, bushy plants. And uh, he would just take them as cut flowers and sell them literally on the on the street corners of L.A., Sunset Boulevard, right when it was possible to do these things. There was still agriculture. and uh, But then uh, his first son, Paul, they started bringing these in, and uh, eventually they started selecting for varieties that they could uh, put in a container and grow out as a potted plant. And this was the big deal about the Etke family, and it goes on for three or four generations now. Uh, there were three Paul Etkes, first, second, and third, and they each had a part of developing the poinsettia as a Christmas uh, plant, certainly. But their big thing was they, they took them from a shrub, and they were able to turn them uh, by selection and uh, some actually uh, rather unique growing techniques. They were able to put them in, in the container, grow them in greenhouses, and then distribute them throughout the country. There was a time when they... They really had a lock. They developed the poinsettia. They had a lock on all the production. They were the producers. So if you're in Duluth, Minnesota, and uh, we had several individuals with greenhouses here, they'd actually buy the cuttings from the Etke farm, and then they'd grow the cuttings out. But all the cuttings and all the plant material was developed in Southern California. They eventually moved a little bit north out of the, um, the L.A. area, but they continued to farm them for a number of years. And it was just a few years ago, 2012, if my memory serves correctly, that Paul the third decided that uh, it's hard to believe because they were so big and they were so dominant. But the poinsettia became a, a flower that throughout all the northern hemisphere, at least, was associated with the holiday Christmas season, and it was dominant throughout the world. Well, the Dutch uh, took on to this, and they're huge producers, major, major part of their economy. And I remember when Paul Etke III justified his sale, they sold it out to a large Dutch conglomerate. He said, we're just not quite big enough. And that one shocked me uh, to be to participate in this production on a global basis. So it's now owned by a, a Dutch firm, but nonetheless, there's significant production and breeding still being done, and the Etkes are still involved in that. So we got all of these varieties that are out there and uh, many, many forms, many, many different price points. This is what's so great about this plant. You can buy a magnificent plant that will cost you a pretty penny, many stems, many plants, magnificent colors, and they can be a, a feature plant. Or you can buy something in a three-and-a-half, four-inch pot that's very inexpensive. And, uh, you know, I, I was a recipient of a couple of those. I've got them in the house right now. They're small. Uh, you can put them in a place uh, in the kitchen or an area where you've got good light, and uh, I really appreciated those. But someone, again, brought them to me, and I want to be very uh, thankful and appreciative. So we talk about giving gifts over the holiday season. The poinsettia is certainly one of them. And here's the thing. You know, the, the bright red uh, leaves, now we've got red, we've got white, and we've got variations of that, including what we call striated or some varieties we call jingle bells, which are a combination of white and red. We've got these nice candy cane kinds of uh, striations or colors there. But uh, the real fluorescent glittery stuff, that's not the true, true poinsettia colors. The breeders have done a tremendous job in bringing new colors, but they're not bringing fluorescent limes and other things out. These are all spray-painted and glitter-applied and so forth. If that's your preference, those are out there as well. But they're not the natural colors, certainly. But there are a lot of natural colors that are out there. You take the plant, the the, um, the colorful uh, leaves, what we call leaves, are actually uh, bracts. They're not the flower of the color. They're modified leaves. 
So the, the flower itself is that little yellow button right in the center. That's the plant's flower. So what's big and showy and colorful are these uh, modified leaves. We call them bracts. They will start out green. So you go through the holiday season. Uh, I think two things, two or three things that the Etke family did. First, they were able to, to put them in a pot and get them distributed throughout the country. They did a lot of marketing when television was first coming onto the scene, so they pushed them as a holiday plant. So getting them in a container and shippable, that was one of their major contributions. Another one was all these different varieties that are out there. The third, I think, is the durability of the plant. There was a time when you'd have a poinsettia. You enjoyed it through Christmas. It dropped these uh, colorful bracts. You just got a, a stalk there, and people threw them out. Now they continue to grow. And uh, so it's the durability. I think that's the third thing that that family did in terms of bringing us a very, very durable plant. Now you got a plant, and now we'll get this question from people. I don't know what to do with it. It's out there. It still looks good. Well, let it continue to grow. Now the key here, again, it's a southern uh, plant. It's very frost-sensitive, so you can set it out after the danger frost has passed sometime in June, and you can move it outside from the summer, uh, your winter location, your house plant, and you can put it... And anytime you're moving something out, protect from wind, protect from direct sun. Now, it loves sun, but it doesn't want to go from your very dimly lit uh, house outside directly. You can get a lot of sun scald and damage to the plant. You'll put it outside, you'll find an area that's protected from the wind and shady. And then you'll gradually move it out into the full sun. And when we get into July, it just flourishes out there. So you're going to kick out a lot of new green growth. You water it, and uh, if you're putting just the uh, container of the the, the potted plant out, remember, very light soils. You might have to water those daily. You're going to have a drain hole down in the bottom so the water will run through. But you want to encourage lots of real active growth, some water-soluble fertilizer, full sun, warmer conditions. It thrives beautifully during the month of July. Now we get a big bushy plant again, but those leaves, again, are going to be green. So now we've got to trick, trick them into turning the red, the, the um, uh carotenoids and so forth, the, the pigments, the anthocyanins, carotenoids are underneath that green layer, underneath the chlorophyll. So uh, they're there, but you've got to expose them uh, in the plant. And the way you do this is the way nature does it naturally, by limiting the amount of daylight. So you never want it to get any artificial light. You're going to bring it in. It's a nice bushy plant, but it's lush and it's green. You're going to bring it in. When there's uh, that first hint of frost in the forecast, let's get them inside. Now, at this point, you have to watch the natural daylight very carefully because you cannot expose it to any artificial light. So when the sun goes down, it has to be dark for that plant, and you're either going to have to pull a black plastic bag over it or you're going to have to fit it into a, a very dark room or a closet. Now, once again, you can't leave it there. I gave people this advice. They left it there. The plant dies. No, it's a green plant. It has to come out during the day. It has to be exposed to sunlight during the, the day and then very dark at night. So with this combination, it cannot be exposed to any artificial light at all. So in the greenhouse production areas, they've got them in the greenhouses. They're growing well. They actually have to pull shade curtains or, or real opaque curtains over the crop so that it doesn't get exposed to any kind of street light, even, say, moonlight and other things. It has to be completely dark at that particular time. So they actually have curtains that they pull over the crop itself. They come off at sunrise. They go on at sunset, so you keep them completely dark. And in that process, the green chlorophyll breaks down and exposes these beautiful 
red pigments underneath the leaf. So you can do this. And then you go through the same process. You can keep these poinsettias uh, actually for, for years if you're very careful and you're very dedicated. It's not hard to keep it for in, into the next growing season. After that, you've got to be a little bit more conscious about uh, a better soil for those plants to grow in, but you can definitely keep them for years. So poinsettia, great plant, great house plant. You can give them. They're not going to be expensive. If you want some really magnificent, you can find a beautiful poinsettia uh, that makes a feature plant for folks. But uh, something that people will really enjoy. Give them a little bit of care instruction. Tell them it'll last for years, and it's a gift that keeps right on giving, Bruce. Bob, that is uh, very, very good stuff. I appreciate it. Uh, warm holiday wishes to you and yours, sir. I think next time that I talk to you will be some point in 2023, my goodness. It might be, Bruce. It's always <laughs> fun. We want to wish you, your family, good, safe holiday. Yeah, travel. thank you. Wonderful Christmas. The same to Dave and all our listeners. It's been a good year, and we're anticipating 2023 to be a great year for gardeners as well. So be safe. We'll talk to you in the new year. Bob, appreciate it as always. Bob Olin Show comes to you each and every Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock right here on 610 and 103.9 KDAL. It is 9.52, your money now. Wrap things up on this Tuesday morning. Bruce Siski show after 10. We talk Vikings, Matthew Collar of purpleinsider.com. That's all to come, 610, 103.9 KDAL. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center. Located in Dan's Feedback in Superior. And by WLSSD's Garden Green. Compost, you'll dig.